I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge this season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the authors and participants and do not necessarily represent those of iHeartMedia, Tenderfoot TV, or their employees. This series contains discussions of violence and sexual violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, uh, it's Ben here. Today's a bonus episode before we return to the regular series. So we've been getting some interesting voicemails and questions. And there's some stuff we want to investigate and follow up on, and doing this episode gives us a little more time to do that. So anyway, let's get to it. Hey, Ben. My name is Clarissa. I have been listening to your podcast for the last few days, and it's kind of crazy to me because I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, and this one especially hits home because it's where I live. Um, I live in Burnham. Illinois, which is right between Chicago and Northwest Indiana. Um, I'm right between Hammond and Chicago, technically. Um, And randomly, I also live in Texas, Houston. So I feel super related to this story. And I just wanted to know what information you're looking for. So if you have any uh, leads or anything that I could possibly help look into since I live in the area, I would love to be able to help get any information that I can. Hey, Clarissa, thanks for the offer, and and we'll definitely keep that in mind. But probably the thing that would help the most at this point is just spreading word about the podcast and just kind of awareness about how, you know, Darren Vaughn might be linked to these other cold cases. I'm still very interested in talking to people who knew Vaughn at various stages of his life to try to verify some of his stories. And I'm also interested in talking to China or people that knew her um, about how it was that she knew that Tira Beatty was dead in an abandoned building, what was going on there. 
And Clarissa, also stay tuned because in an upcoming episode, we are going to discuss a cluster of murders in Chicago and explore whether or not Vaughn might have been connected to it. Uh, speaking of Chicago, here's another voicemail. Uh, this is Pam Zekman, a former CBS reporter who did the uh, story with Tom Hargrove on the possible serial killer in the Chicago area. I just wanted to tell you that I listened to your podcasts and you did a terrific job with it. And I know you have a, a lot more coming out. And I wanted to just uh, tell you that. I thought I was very impressed. Thanks. Bye. I was really excited to get that voicemail. I wonder if uh, if Hargrove shared the podcast with her. For context, she was actually involved in the Mirage Tavern sting that I mentioned in episode one, where the journalists made the fake bar to expose city corruption. Um, and Hargrove actually mentioned her to me um, in one of his interviews that he was thrilled to work with her about that cluster of serial murders in Chicago. So the next message comes from Twitter. So we'll have a text-to-speech algorithm read that one. What's up, man? Love listening to your pods. I'm from Northwest Indiana. Back in the summer of 2014, I met my uncle at 18th Street Brewery in Gary. My uncle works in downtown Chicago and rides the train to work, and there is a train stop right by the brewery in Gary. So it had to be around 5 o'clock or so. There were probably 10 to 20 people total at the brewery. It was a Friday night. Normally a pretty mixed race crowd. This guy sitting at the bar stuck out though. A couple months pass and Van's mugshot pops up on the local news. Uncle and I immediately text each other and say, wasn't that the guy we seen at the brewery? He had one to two beers while we were there. He was chatting with the bartender and people at the bar. He left before us. Not a groundbreaking story for you, but maybe you can reach out to the brewery and see if he was a regular or something. Good luck and keep crushing it. So I contacted that brewery. They were saying it was a small operation back in 2014. Uh, so probably the owner is the one to speak to. So I've, I've tried to get in contact with him and I'll let you guys know if anything comes from it. Uh, also, the computer pronouncing Vaughn's last name as Van reminded me that that's a question I've gotten a couple of times now. So his name is Darren Vaughn, uh, but a lot of the early news reports pronounced it as Van. So I thought that was his name <laughs> until months into the project, and a lot of people I interviewed also thought his name was pronounced Van, but from the interrogation tapes, you know, it's clearly Vaughn, and, and a lot of people close to the case... Um, you know, know that it's Vaughn, but but even then, sometimes if I was interviewing them early on, I might have said Van, and they started saying Van. Hi Ben, this is Heather tuning in from Birmingham, Alabama. I've been listening to Algorithm every week on my drive to work, so thanks for the great material. A uh, question for you for the upcoming Q and A: Are you finding it challenging to navigate the language around sex work for this series, especially since Vaughn himself uses such? dehumanizing language when it comes to these victims. Thanks in advance for answering my question. I've gotten comments from a couple of listeners about my use of the word prostitute on the podcast, basically telling me that there's a lot of stigma associated with that word um, and that many prostitutes prefer to be called sex workers. I'm going to try to be better about using the term sex worker versus prostitute, but there are some places where I think it's still appropriate to use the term. You know, for example, if we're talking about 
statistics like, you know, what's the percentage of the victims of serial killers who are prostitutes and, you know, what's the percentage of victims who are sex workers. Those numbers will be different and I think we need to be, you know, very specific sometimes, right, because sex workers is this bigger, more all-encompassing term that includes people like strippers or people involved in pornography and, you know, those people's risks of, for example, being victimized in in crime are going to be different than people who are engaging in prostitution. And, And in fact, you know, even within prostitution, there's different levels. Street prostitution is a lot higher risk than being in your own room. The way Africa was is actually one of the least uh, risky ways of doing prostitution. But, you know, nothing is ever completely risk-free. There are also sex workers who do self-identify as prostitutes. Uh, for example, here's a voicemail from Maxine Dugan. Hey, hi, it's Maxine Dugan I'm calling from San Francisco, California. I'm with the Erotic Service Providers Union. Um, the Erotic Service Providers Union is by and for those who labor erotically to gain you know, their agency through solidarity organizing for occupational, social, and economic rights. Um, and I myself uh, work as a prostitute of 30 plus years. So I find that your show is phenomenal in that the woman who was booking for Africa, her friend is able to tell the police that she knows the phone number of the guy who saw Africa last and she gives it to the police and they're able to get him into custody. That woman faced an array of felony charges for facilitating prostitution, you know, which has been recriminalized in recent years as sex trafficking, when really she's just a part of Africa's, you know, security. You know, I'm glad she was able to do the right thing and tell the police the crucial information to end this particular serial killer's reign of terror. She deserves a medal. Marvin and Taria's story reminds me of Sarah DeReeve's story, uh, who goes missing in the Lower East Side of Vancouver, B.C. in the late 1990s. Sarah's customer tries to report her missing to the police, but the police had some arbitrary rule that it had to be a relative to report the missing person. So the customer contacts Sarah's sister, Maggie, and Maggie was able to report um, but given Sarah's status as a street-based drug-using prostitute, you know, which are all criminalized activities, the police don't find her until they find her DNA on the property of a now-convicted serial killer, Robert Picton. The podcast also reminds me of the Green River Killer victims whose boyfriends were often labeled as pimps when they tried to report the missing uh, to the police. The Seattle Police Department dismissed them because the missing people's status as street-based prostitutes, and the police also responded with conducting sting operations for certain known prostitution areas, you know, which only had the effect of forcing those workers into less populated and not well-lit areas where they became easier targets for the Green River Killer. I really appreciate that that feedback, Maxine, and, and thanks for listening. I hope that regardless of how anyone feels about sex work and its legality, I hope that we can at least all agree that, you know, we need to find some ways to make it as safe as possible. Sex workers need to be able to go to police to report crimes. And when they do report crimes, they need to be taken seriously. Similarly, when a sex worker disappears, 
police need to to take that seriously as well and and treat it the way they would treat any other missing person case. We need to demand that from the police and we need to hold the police accountable. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts something that makes me crazy is when people say well i had this career before but it was a waste and that's where the perspective shift comes that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So our next voicemail comes from Lima, Ohio. Uh, which is the city in Western Ohio, where Vaughn moved as a teenager and went to high school. Hi. I'm currently listening to your episode uh, where it mentioned Vaughn lived in Lima and graduated in 90. I live outside of Lima, 
Lima is a really freaking rough town. Um, I don't go to Lima for anything. I know he would have been a juvenile, but um, I just wondered if you checked any unsolved murders at that time that might have fit his M.O. I also wondered, um, did he ever come back to Lima to visit his mother? It's a great podcast. Thank you. Uh, So in the interrogations, Vaughn didn't confess to any murders in Lima. He does mention that during that time he was arrested. Um, He says he was arrested as a juvenile on a gun running charge. I was on uh, probation in Lima as a juvenile. Remember I told you that? Because there was shit loaded guns. I think we was, we shipping like two, three hundred guns a month. I don't know what they gave me, but I know they dropped the gun charges because I was a kid. Because they wanted the adults. I think your ATF buddy wanted the adults. So you think you dealt with ATF? I didn't deal with them. I think they dealt with the other part of the case. They just wanted to get the kids out of the way. Ah, I got you. Yeah, because they wanted the adults. They wanted the people that was actually moving and crazy and shipment right. What was the name of the gang that was? There was no gang. They had Lima didn't have gangs then. No. We just had a bunch of crazy ass white boys. I I hooked up with. They wanted uh, some of my classmates' bigger brothers and uncles Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, right? they've been eyeballing them for a while. So I don't know if ATF got them or the state wanted them, but I know it was a whole big old mess about it. Was it in the paper? No, they, they kept it pretty quiet. They raided um, two or three houses we had with guns all over the place. I remember that. And I was like, hey, they told him he's a kid. We don't even want him. We got the adults. Cause I know they wanted our guy because our guy had connections to other guys. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're trying to move up. Cause I remember uh, one of my best friends said, I'll never speak to you again. He said, you brought that traitor to us. Really? Right. The dude that um, broke into his, like I told you, broke into his stepfather's house, had all them guns. And, uh, he told. He told on everybody. Essentially, there was a, a kid he was friends with whose dad owned a ton of guns, and they stole those guns and sold them. And then uh, the kid's mom found out, and, you know, the the kid ended up getting them all in trouble. That's the only crime he mentions from that time period. But at the same time, just because he didn't confess to any murders doesn't mean they didn't happen, um, especially because he wanted the death penalty. um, And he said he didn't want to involve other jurisdictions. So he was only going to confess to murders in Indiana. So Vaughn would have been in Lima from around 1987 to 1990. And according to Hargrove's data set, there is one unsolved strangulation from this time period. It's a 35-year-old black woman who was strangled in 1990. It's anonymized data, so you don't have a name, you don't have a month. It makes it hard to find articles about it. But I did find the Ohio Attorney General's office lists of unsolved homicides, and I tried to look it up on there, and it didn't show up. You know, so I'm not exactly sure what that means. It might mean it was originally entered into the database as unsolved, but it's been solved um, sometime later. And that's why it's not on this cold case database that the Ohio Attorney General keeps. Or it might be that that jurisdiction, which isn't actually Lima, but it is Fort Shawnee. Um, You know, so it could be something where the Attorney General asked everyone to submit their cold cases. They didn't submit it. Um, So if anyone knows anything about the strangulation of a woman in Fort Shawnee um, in 1990, if someone else wants to take up this loo thing and tell me what they find, I'd uh, really appreciate that. All right, so the next message uh, comes from Facebook. 
It's a message from someone who came across the podcast. They're talking about Vaughn, and they say he was a door fiend who used to hang out on... I don't know what that means, door fiend, drug fiend. Um, He was a door fiend who used to hang out in a crack house off Broadway and 43rd. Whenever he got high, he tapped into Satan. He had a routine. He appeared disoriented so that a crack hoe would leave with him after he flashed some money and hit the dope. They leave. They were never missed. I told Gary at a recorded council meeting about sanitation that they had a serial killer. He lived off of 52nd. He had been killing women. His partner is a serial killer, too. Um, So this person wanted to remain anonymous. I've actually gotten back in touch with her, um, heard her story. It is pretty wild. So look forward to that. In one of these upcoming episodes, she encountered Vaughn during this 2014 period uh, when he was committing a bunch of these crimes. And some of it seems to also verify um, information I've gotten from other sources. So yeah. All right, here's here's one I've gotten a couple of times. I've gotten a couple of people ask about my accent. I also know the way I talk can sound different when I'm in the interviews versus when I'm narrating. It is harder than you might think uh, to sound natural and keep your voice consistent across a 30-minute episode. And as for the accent, I uh, grew up outside D.C. in Northern Virginia. I did live for a couple of years in Mexico when I was a kid, you know, around the time I was first learning how to speak. So some of my speech pattern might come from that experience as well. Some people have been asking for more nuts and bolts information about the algorithm and and how it works. Uh, If you go back to episode two, I think you can get a fuller explanation there. But I think it's maybe just people thinking that the algorithm is more complicated than it is. Um, The first thing it does is it groups together murders based on geography, the victim's gender, and the method of killing. There have been a couple of different versions of the algorithm. I think the original one also factored in the victim's age. Um, Now it's simpler, and it just focuses on geography, gender, method of killing. You know, they've compiled over 700,000 homicides, mainly from FBI data, um, and you can then kind of divide those up into 100,000 different groups, right? And so in each one of these groups, it'll be the same place. All the victims will be the same gender, killed in the same way. Now you have these 100,000 different groups, and you can rank those by the percentage of murders that were solved, and you can see which clusters have extremely low solution rates, right? So where they haven't made an arrest, or, or if they at least didn't make an arrest, at the time that they had entered it into the the FBI's supplemental homicide reports. Um, And you can look for clusters that have extremely low solution rates, and and you can look at that kind of across the entire time period that they have data for, or you can do this sliding window analysis where you look for a, a specific time period where that area had, you know, an extremely low solution rate for that particular type of murder. Right. And one of the explanations for why they might have that low solution rate is because there's a serial killer who is active, who is getting away with multiple crimes and and making that type of crime harder to solve. So Hargrove believes that these clusters that have very low solution rates, those are more likely to contain victims of serial killers. And that's in part because that's what you see uh, with the Green River Killer and a lot of the other clusters that he looked at early on um, seem to also match that pattern. 
Um, but this stuff isn't an exact science, right? So just because one of these clusters has a low solution rate doesn't mean that that area necessarily had a serial killer or that even if they did have a serial killer active in that area during that time period, it doesn't mean that the killer was responsible for all of the murders in that cluster, right? So um, imagine, you know, in 2014, Vaughn is killing all these people, right? But it's still very possible that someone else could strangle someone um, in Lake County during that same time period, right? And that murder also doesn't get solved. And the algorithm has no way of separating them, right? So it's not this magic bullet that only identifies murders by serial killers, but but it can kind of flag that there are an unusual number of, you know, this certain kind of murder that haven't been solved. And, you know, I think it's it's at least telling you that something is going on there, right? So even if it's not a serial killer, why aren't these murders being solved? And maybe someone should look into them. And we're doing a deep dive right now into this cluster in Gary, but I imagine that you would find, you know, incredibly interesting stories, whichever one of these clusters you looked into. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots. 
the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I've also had some listeners who are hoping that this would be less of a deep dive into Vaughn and, you know, this one specific case and and more uh, more of a deep dive into the algorithm and how it and other technology could be used to find serial killers in different cities across the country. So I picked this case in particular because I think it's very illustrative of the algorithm's potential, but I am very interested in exploring clusters in other cities, um, you know, especially kind of ongoing clusters where, you know, there might be someone out there and, and active right now because, you know, that's that's a place that we could really potentially do some good. And I hope on future seasons of the show we can do just that. You know, and if you're enjoying this show and you're interested in there being more seasons of Algorithm that explore other cities, you know, please tell a friend about this show and, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I know I'm always asking you guys to do that stuff and, you know, it can feel like a drop in the bucket. But when it comes to these companies making a decision about whether or not to make another season of the show, uh, that kind of stuff is really important. Um, And also, I'm looking for suggestions of cities that you think should be investigated. So if you have any ideas, you know, if you think there's something weird going on where you live or or you've heard crazy stories about cities that might have active serial killers right now, please let me know and and we can see what the algorithm says and, and look into it. I really do appreciate all of you who listened and and left voicemails or reached out on Twitter. Um, If you haven't yet, please do. I'm sure we'll have another episode like this soon. So you can leave a voicemail at 888-501-3309. That's 888-501-3309. You can message me on Twitter at B-E-N underscore K-U-E-B-R-I-C-H. That's Ben underscore Kiebrick. Uh, So we'll be back very soon uh, with some episodes that are looking into some of the cold cases that the algorithm identified and looking into Vaughn's possible connection to those murders. This episode was written and produced by me, Ben Kiebrick. Algorithm is executive produced by Alex Williams, Donald Albright, and Matt Frederick. Production assistance and mixing by Eric Quintana. The music is by Makeup and Vanity Set and Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks to Christina Dana, Miranda Hawkins, Jamie Albright, Rima Elkeali, Trevor Young, and Josh Thane for their help and notes. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tail. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.